places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again Hey everybody and welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Join me, William Miller, as I travel the country talking to manufacturers of all types about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs in the industry. This show is brought to you by Koganay International America, Inc. Welcome to the Where's Willie podcast, a national manufacturing podcast sponsored by Koganay International America, Inc., a global manufacturer of more than 512,000 components that help miniaturize every device, machine, robotic, and automated process in every industry sector of manufacturing. Today on the Where's Willie podcast, my virtual travels take me to Eden Prairie, Minnesota to talk with my good friend, Dave Varner. Dave is a speaker, award-winning author, and the founder of the Malau Group Global, a sales training company that focuses on providing their clients with simple-to-use solutions that are easy to coach and produce immediate results. Additionally, Malau's solutions are designed to complement any existing sales curriculum. Now, upon graduation from Michigan State University, where he was the first industrial marketing student, he went to work for a machine tool manufacturer and robotic systems company as an application engineer. He since transitioned into sales and then moved up to sales management and finally into corporate leadership. Over the last 20 years, he has helped hundreds of companies and thousands of sales teams across a broad spectrum of industries, improving their sales effectiveness. He works with clients on a global basis and lives in Eden Prairie, Minnesota with his wife, Chris, their two dogs, and surprisingly, a horse. In his spare time, he builds wooden boats and restores vintage race cars. He even mentioned he may give me one. Just kidding. He brings a unique blend of engineering, manufacturing, and sales process to his customers. He is a zealot that companies should run their sales organizations with the same level of process control and continuous improvement as is expected in every department. He's a guest today, though, because he brings tremendous value to those that partner with him, including me at Kogane. He helps the leaders install a simple-to-use, easy-to-coach sales process, trademark the sales checklist, which produces immediate and measurable results. Flying an airplane is a complex endeavor. That's why before every flight, the pilot utilizes a checklist to ensure that he or she doesn't miss a step, as the impact can be severe. There is nothing new on the checklist. It is simple to ensure that the pilot doesn't miss a step that he or she knows they have to execute. Selling is a complex endeavor, especially now. Professional salespeople, just like pilots, need to use a checklist to ensure they don't miss a step that will cost them an order or to be able to obtain the data enabling them to non-emotionally identify opportunities that are not going to close. Dave, my friend, mentor, somebody that's working with our team, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Oh, thank you. My pleasure to be here. So for the context of the listeners, as you and I, you know, we've talked over the last few months since you've helped humble me with my youthful arrogance of knowing what I was doing. Why don't we start with what you did for me? For the listeners, separate from the pandemic, what is the biggest challenge that your customers, like a Kogane, a manufacturing company with their own sales team, what is the biggest challenge that they face? number of challenges, but the biggest challenge is that they tend to not know what they don't know. 
And by that, I mean, we look at sales and we go across all industries and all different types of companies. The average closing rate for any company is about 25%. So what that means, or a conversion rate, 25%. What that means is that we have a variation of 75%, where we're losing 75% of our time. And up till now, that's that's been acceptable. But you know, a few things have started to cause that to change, COVID being one of them. But the biggest challenge I face is getting companies to increase their expectations for the performance of their sales department. An example to think about is if your shipping department got one out of four shipments right, how long would that last? Not very long. Right. There'd be immediate problems. And one of the things that I think that you addressed with me that I recognized right away, and that's why I immediately leaned on you and asked for help. I think that sales, and maybe your experience too, and we can kind of get into that. You know, in our world, and again, you and I have had a lot of conversations offline. Mm-hmm. In what you would call technical sales, being our products have to work. So it's not like a bottle of wine where we can have a great social media promo and attract people and they just buy it and the transaction's over. Our products have to work. We're talking running parallelism. We're talking dimensional footprint of 5.9 millimeters width. These products have to fit the application and they are very technical and complex with many variables, time delay circuits, you have PLC integration, you have substantial costs if it doesn't work, damage and things like that. Somewhere over the past 20, 30 years, sales, I think in their reporting, got more focused on activity. So we had this emergence of CRMs and filling the funnel And what you humbled me with was stopping me and making me shut up with the, yeah, but, yeah, but, for example, you would ask a question about, you know, Will, do you understand what the triggers are? Yeah, but we've got 30 customers that contacted us, but do you understand what they're looking for? Yeah, but we got their names and numbers. And I think, you know, that's where you've been able to help bring us to center. And when you talk about quality versus quantity, That's the biggest thing that we've recognized in the turnaround of the results that you've provided us with your trademark sales checklist. So obviously, just to give everybody again context for those of you that haven't been listening to the Where's Willie podcast, as I mentioned in the intro, Kogane is a global supplier. So we manufacture 512,000 plus parts to keep it simple. Those parts go into every industry of manufacturing from aerospace to medical device to consumer electronics. They also go into the manufacturing process. So in our world that Dave knows well, you've got OEM, which means the product spec into the actual device. And then we have MRO, which would be more in the process of making this given product, right? So who is an ideal customer then for the Malau Group Global? What we look for is someone who is in manufacturing. They have a a technical sale and quite often sell to, to engineers. Salespeople tend to be sales engineers quite often, or at least have a technical component to what they do. And companies that run the rest of their business with a, a strong adherence to process. And sales may be the only area that they don't at this point. So that would be someone that's ideal for us 
is that they're in a technical area, they're in manufacturing, technical salespeople. There's unique challenges with technical salespeople. When I was one, I used to love the technical part more than the selling part. And it was so easy for me to spend a tremendous amount of time on the busy work. I'm looking at the machine tool, looking at the robot and not doing what you're talking about there. Well, what's the trigger event? Why am, am I even there? What's the customer trying to fix, accomplish, or avoid? Or even back up a little bit further, are they even a fit? When I sold, it was ready, fire, aim. Now what we're trying to talk about to be more effective and, and to start chipping away at that 75% defect rate is before we get all excited, before we get engaged, think about, well, what is a fit? And, you know, I, I would challenge anybody, you know, listening to this right now, if, if you were to ask your sales team, give me the five criteria that make a good fit for our company, I would imagine you get different criteria from every person. From a process standpoint, that, that doesn't work. And if you think about the impact of that and you whiteboard it, and you're putting all these customers or opportunities into your funnel that are not good fits, you take a lot of time, a lot of resources, ultimately not going to close and keep you from spending time on the ones that are going to win. So the first step, even though we get so excited, Willie, let me tell you about this fantastic opportunity I have. They want me to quote four machines. I have to be there tomorrow. This is tremendous. Let's go. But then you bring, bring me back down to earth by saying, well, well, okay, Dave, wonderful, wonderful. Are they a fit? Well, what do you mean? They want me to quote. Well, no, let's take 30 seconds and make sure they're in our sweet spot. You know, Dave, you know we can't, we're not everything to everybody. To the extent we can identify where we are good, where we do play, where we do bring value, that's where we want to invest our selling time. That's where we're profitable. That's where we grow business. Not trying to negotiate or discount orders because the fit isn't there. We're trying to make up some deficit. Find the fit on the front end. Have the discipline that a pilot has when he or she is at the airport in Minneapolis going down the checklist, A320, and they have, a, they have an alarm light. Fine. They're doing their job. They're, they're going to fix it before they go on. Even though, boy, I'm anxious to get home. I'm anxious to fly. Well, I'm more anxious to do things right. And we need that same level of discipline. So, and just again, I'll make myself look really bad. So, if you guys follow me on LinkedIn, you know, I'm very confident in my background. But after meeting Dave... Uh, I initially didn't like him because when you look at the bio that I report about all of the RFQ opportunities and opportunities to quote, you know, that's really where I think we have to wake up and manufacturers especially need to really start doing a better job of not being so focused on the RFQ count because how many of our listeners have this ch challenge where they're meeting remotely with their sales staff or virtually and they go through this weekly CRM review, updates, all we're seeing, and this is the point that I'm trying to drive home, all of us are guilty of seeing that list get longer and longer and longer with RFQs. And if you think like a red, yellow, green report, right? Green means progress, yield means holding pattern, red means crash and burn. We lost it, right? 90% of those projects in the CRM pipeline, even though you've got a thousand line items now, and this is where, again, I tell you, Dave Arner humbled me. This is why I didn't like him at first. When he asked, how many of those will are green? The next question, how many of those have stayed green within the last two weeks? My point is this, manufacturers, their sales team, 
They're more focused on RFQs, and this is why their conversion is so horrible. So I implore anybody, and I'm not giving away trade secrets, Kogan A, Willie works there still, unless I don't get a paycheck next week. Willie had to become better, even though I'm out now in a role of marketing. Okay, so even if you're not in a sales role, if some of you are head of marketing, business development, trust me when I tell you, Dave Varner will humble you, he'll knock you to your knees, but he'll help you back up and get you looking through the right sets of lenses that's focused on conversion and matching your value to the customers that recognize your value. Now, Dave, you know, just to kind of go back to, again, from handshake to touchdown, as I always say, I'll share with the listeners, you know, obviously you and I have a mutual friend, somebody that's in the business that introduced us both. So we were able to talk more comfortably versus me not knowing you and reaching out. So as customers or as listeners hear this and they reach out to the Malau Group Global, can you kind of walk me through the process of introduction just so if any of the listeners are tentative to reach out to you, are they going to talk to you? Are they going to talk to sales associates that are going to follow up with them and then get you in touch? Kind of just kind of talk about the process of if any listeners you know, after this show, when it goes live here in the next week or two, and there'll be an announcement from Jacket Media Co. and uh, Nicholas Marketing and PR. So when they reach out to the Malau Group, kind of walk me through the process of the initial conversation. And then how do you kind of work through just so the listeners have some idea of what, what to expect? Okay, that's a great question. The answer is you would work directly with me. And what I would do is take you right through the checklist. <laughs> so the first thing I you know, want to verify is, you know, are we a fit for each other? But then just to give you an example, going a little bit further, the next thing is what, what's the trigger event? I can't start talking about the sales checklist or other things that we have and all these great things they can do if none of them apply to you. So we need to understand, is there a trigger event? If not, can we create one? Why did you call me? Is there a problem you're trying to solve? And again, one of my biggest challenges is that we don't know what we don't know. Right. And if I have the opportunity, I'll ask a question that I call our case study question. And that's, you know, really for anybody who's watching this, if you're wondering, well, we have a we have a sales process, we have CRM. Well, CRM's not a sales process. <laughs> we have steps. That's that's not a sales process. One question you'll know if you do or not. So if you think about an active critical opportunity that you're working on or someone on your team is working on today. One that's important that you win, it's competitive, but it could go to anyone. If you were to write that up as a case study, pass it out to your sales organization, whether it's four salespeople or 400 salespeople, and say, what would you do next to move this forward and increase our probability of winning? How many answers would you get? And inevitably, it's how many people have answered the question. Right. Then I put it back on you. What if shipping had a different answer for it from everybody on how to ship a machine tool? Well, that's not acceptable. Why is that acceptable in sales? How can you have an accurate forecast? You know, no wonder we're losing 75%. We can't coach. If no one even knows what to do consistently, there's no way to coach. Right. So all that goes out the window. And that's, that's really what conventional sales training has tried to address in the past. The symptoms, not getting to the root cause. 
Salespeople are generally pretty good at, at the basic skills. They don't lose because of that. They lose because they've missed steps. Oh, I was so excited. I never really saw if there was even a fit. Or I didn't identify all the people in the decision-making process. Things that take just minutes to do, they miss those steps. And at the end, then the result is you get blindsided or you're pursuing a sale that you're, you're not going to win. So I, I would go down that question and then start trying to uncover for you, what are your trigger events? And it's not enough to have a trigger event, but then what does it look like when it's solved? How are you going to measure that? And then we can get specific. And then what I like to do, I can see you mentioned I'm a, I'm a sales process zealot and geek. And if I can't show you how this works in five minutes, it's not simple to use and easy to coach. So I'll take you through one of your opportunities by using it, let you see for yourself how it works. And, and then at that point, we can talk specifically. And I want to say, you know, again, for the context of the listeners, we are currently working with Dave. It hasn't been easy because it is humbling. It's humbling to admit maybe our focus has been more on the vanity versus sanity. So I always talk about RFQs and busy is vanity. Conversion and closings and revenue is sanity. So I think, you know, the thing that I recognize most that you've been providing us uh, really has been the focus of conversion. You know, realigning our focus, our message, so that we're attracting to the right people that's, that want the value and that our products are a call or an answer to the triggers that are within our capability. I have an interesting question that I had with somebody else I was having a discussion with that brought you up. And that question is, I want you to ask Dave, with technology, does he think that's changing what we're doing? And I said, I'm going to ask him, but I don't think so, because everything that you're teaching us doesn't matter the medium we're using, whether it's face-to-face, cell phone, used to be fax machines. But I want to ask you, I want to give you the floor. Do you think that this technology now, with Corona as the excuse, does it change the process that you've, well, excuse me, because we haven't graduated yet, the process that you're teaching us is the technology and the way we interact in sales for manufacturing companies, is it going to change what they do? No. The strategy stays the same. The strategy has been the same since the 1900s, the 1800s, 1700s. The same strategy is there. The same things have to be accomplished. The tactics, however, they're changing. With COVID, obviously we're not having... International machine tool show is canceled. Most sales conventions are canceled. Everything's being canceled. And it's now a much more virtual world. I think it's gonna end up being a much better world when we get done because this is forcing us not to go in and make an hour presentation in front of a customer and then take them to lunch. They wanna know specifically, what are you going to do? We're gonna have a meeting on the phone here. We're bringing people in. We want a tight agenda. We wanna know specifically how that's going to happen. So I think it creates some real opportunities for companies that wanna be on the lead end of it. but. To your point, and it's a great question, the strategy has not changed. And people say, well, how is selling different? Well, it's not. It's not different at all. When I started, same exact strategy. Tactics, different, yes. So I have a question. So as you know, we sell through the distribution channel of the market. So here's another question, Mr. Dave. Yes, you help companies like Kogane, 300 million global sales, uh, seven branches worldwide, selling through distribution. 
Is there a difference then of working with a manufacturer who has one product line versus a value add distributor that has 70 lines? Do you have interest to also work with actual distribution companies along with manufacturing companies? Oh, absolutely. My business is probably half and half. Okay. The selling is the same. Again, tactics are different, but the overall strategy is exactly the same. It works on both sides. You do things a little bit differently, but from my where I sit, exactly the same business. Dave, can we talk a little bit about, because I just have this thought. Because of what we've had to go back and reassess, basically back to the foundation of what is our vision? What is it that we're unique at in terms of technology and, and our abilities? And then how are we able to secure and know the triggers and know that we can respond and deliver on whatever those triggers are? My question is this. Distributors, and I had said this a couple podcasts back, and I'm not dogging distributors. I love them. But I think that with the emergence of e-commerce, with this, again, decreased opportunity to get face-to-face, you see an emergence of distributors. They're signing everybody and their brother. And I had made the comment, and I'm not negative about it. My feeling now is distributors, back in the 80s, you know, they used to meet us for a cigar. We'd be at the hotel lobby bar at a Holiday Inn. They'd have maybe us and two other lines, right? So they could spend a lot of time knowing their suppliers, knowing the technologies that the suppliers have, the solutions, and then with good training, of course, understand the triggers and be able to deliver with the lines they represent. There are some distributors now though, Dave, they have over 120 lines. So my point is this, my feeling, you don't have to say anything, my feeling based on how much we've learned from you, Some distributors may, after they define themselves and understand the value they can deliver and understand the triggers that they are, they want to be the solution for, some may cut back on the lines. Would you agree? Yes. And it goes back to the old adage that sales is a numbers game. And I fully agree and I fully disagree. It's, It's the right numbers. Right. It's having the accurate, using data to make informed decisions, using binary data, yes or no. Back in my earlier sales days, the more quotes we had, the better. If we wanted to grow the business, we knew how many quotes we needed, how many it would take to convert, bring more quotes in, Dave. That was that was the business. And now it's, it's changing. And it's the same thing that if you see the distributors, it's manifests itself with the distributors in, in that they don't know what to do. They don't know what they don't know here either. Hmm. It's a numbers game. Well, more lines, maybe we'll have more people just buy from us. It's a short-term strategy because companies like yourself are going to look and say, what value are you bringing me? Sure. I'd be much better off working much more closely with one or two distributors than 50 where we're just an afterthought. Right. It's very important. I do see the distributors who want to be successful, they need to focus. Same thing. Go down the checklist. What's your fit? Where do you yeah. bring value? You don't bring value to a hundred different lines, right? And I and, and prioritize that. And, and the one thing that again, I'm going to advocate with everybody listening. I am the head of marketing, so what that means is I've been tasked to building the Kogan A brand, meaning I'm putting out content. What Dave has helped me to do versus these catalog companies. They sell price, 
delivery, and ready to ship within 24 hours. That really doesn't address triggers other than the triggers that we don't want to be a part of. Because if we're selling on price, we are short term, we'll get some sales, but long term, we're going to devalue our brand. For example, one of the things that I used to pound my fists on the ground about was Kogane, they were not, and we still are not today, a drop in replacement. You know, one of the number one selling products in our world is linear actuators. Everybody's got to be a drop in replacement. I'm not going to say the other manufacturers, but oh, Koganay, form fit function? Yes, yes, no. Dimensionally, we're 20 millimeters shorter. Oh, well, that means the OEM is going to have to make a new bracket. They don't want you. But if our life cycle is 15 million cycles and the 12 other manufacturers drop in is 5 million, well, we're three times the life. But going back to what you've been teaching me from a marketing standpoint, Will, are you selling because you're a me too? Or are you selling because of the trigger of a manufacturer saying, we have to reduce our annual expenditures on replacement parts because our cost of goods sold is too high. We have to lower that. So by buying Kogan A once, and based on our cycle, how many cycles we run per month, we'd only need to replace you twice a year versus the other manufacturers that we're buying drop-in replacement, we're replacing every month. So our net purchase dollars are going to decrease by you. And that's that's really been, you know, again, I think the biggest thing that's resonated with me is before I met you, anything that I could take off a website, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, post, 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 whatever I saw a catalog company do, we were going to do the same thing. And then to your point, when you asked me, and this goes back to me not liking you at first, <laughs> I wasn't being that effective. And even though now from the numbers standpoint, compared to those we compete with that are in the billions annually. Well, I don't have the amount of followers, but the ones that are, the ones that are engaging with the content we're putting out are the ones that have the triggers that I'm listening to and addressing case by case. So our conversion is increasing. So I would tell any of you listening, this isn't just for the regional sales manager that's managing his 25 technical sales force. Anybody that's in marketing, because I would argue that everybody that I compete with is just as horrible as me. (laughs) I know that. And I think that, you know, for me, it's been just a real blessing getting connected with you because you've helped in marketing more than I thought. You know, I kind of had my arms crossed and I thought, here's another sales guy. The other thing I'm going to point out, you guys will notice, Dave is not 18 years old. He's not one of these life coaches that's on social media telling us quick change on mindset and things we have to do. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to meet and collaborate as a team and be humbled and reevaluate really what the focus is on what you're doing. So don't think that working with the Malau group is just going to be you pay him and he does all the work. But what I will tell you is, you know, through your collaboration, you're going to see some really fast results. Dave, is there anything else that, again, for the context of the listeners, whether it's, you know, they go to the website, is there any initial information that you provide if they're thinking about, hey, you know, do we want to implement a strategy now or later? Is there any kind of data or I hate to say freebies, but is there like a checklist or anything that you can, you offer through your company that people can get on their own before they contact you or any kind of homework that they can do up front before they reach out that would help? 
Yeah, there, there's information on the Malaw website. The book is also uh, available on, on Amazon. But the one thing I, I would suggest is that in in a 10 to 15 minute phone call, you will know yes or no if, if there's a fit. And cause again, the biggest challenge I have is people don't know what they don't know. And so to really make sure that people understand, you know, what is the impact of not having fit? For example, one of the exercises that we're working on, you know, with, with you is when you go through your pipeline with your fit criteria, the expectation is you should fire 15 to 20% of the opportunities. So just from a you know quick hit impact next week, looking at that, you can start seeing some positive, tangible changes. So to, to follow up, I love talking to people about it. I love talking about sales. If it's not a fit, I'll be the first one to tell you. There's information on the website, and then there's the book, and it's a Kindle book also online. Yeah, so Dave, tell us, what's the name of the book? Uh, it's the Sales Checklist. Get it right every time. With the customers, we deliver that a couple different ways, but the primary way is a 90-minute interactive webinar. You know, the days of two days of you know, sales training, people getting together, first of all, doesn't work. And second of all, we don't get together anymore. So and if there's a fit in 90 minutes, people can have this implemented within their company. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure, it sounds hard to believe. Well, that's why a brief conversation is typically the best thing to have. So, Dave, for the listeners, if they want more information and to get started and reach out to you, what are all the best ways to do so? And please mention the website as well. The website is um, malaugroup.com, which is uh, M-I-L-L-A-U, group, G-R-O-U-P.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Love to join up with people on LinkedIn. That's an easy way to get hold of me and, and to connect. Just, you know, Dave Varner on LinkedIn. Other than that, just give me a phone call. All right. Now, I'm not going to give any other trade secrets because, like I said, he's helping us. So, poo-poo on all of you. I'm going to keep the rest of what we're doing together as a secret. But I will tell you, boy, he can really help you if conversion is an issue. Dave, I want to thank you so much for being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast. As always, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I invite you to jump over to Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or just recently announced C-Suite Radio or wherever you get your podcast and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to leave a rating of my show so I can work to give you more of what you want to hear, triggers, in the world of manufacturing, leadership, and everyday life. If you're in manufacturing and you have a story that you want to share and be a guest of the show, the process is simple. Go to wereswilliepodcast.com, request to be a guest of the show. My producer, Linda Hopler, will get in touch with you to complete the registration and scheduling. All guests are free to the show. We look forward to sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you all so much. Again, Dave Varner, the Malau Group Global. Find his book on Amazon, The Sales Checklist. Get it right the first time? Every time. Every time. All right, Dave, thank you so much for being a guest of the Where's Willie podcast. Thank you. My, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit Where'sWillyPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie POD. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.